0: After a song like that, I'd say good morning, but I get to say good evening. What an honor it is for us to be together here in the parking lot. And uh, we're here today as the body of Christ. We're here as East Hillsville Baptist Church. Um, we're here as guests. We're here because we've been transformed by truth. Over here to my left is just a small cross a representation of the fact that we serve a Savior who came. He lived a perfect life, shed his perfect blood died, was buried, and three days later, he rose again. We serve a risen Savior, and I have to say, in a parking lot full like this, you are not here out of tradition, because it is not our tradition to be here on a Saturday evening in our cars. We are here today, not out of tradition, but out of a truth, that we have a risen Savior. And in your cars today, I hope that you can celebrate. I pray that this is a special time for you to reflect on the fact that our God lives And he reigns, and we have the privilege of gathering in this place to worship. So I just want to pray for us briefly as we begin our service. Father, thank you so much that we can gather in this place today. Lord, despite of everything that's going on, we know that you rule and you reign. And we're reminded that you are the giver of life. Death could not hold you. And Lord, we celebrate the fact that Jesus, you rose from the dead, giving us victory over sin and death. And may today bring honor and glory to you as we gather in this parking lot this evening. And may it change us as we celebrate you. In Jesus' name, amen. encourage you to sing along in your cars as we worship together.
1: I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today know that he is living whatever men may say i see his hand of mercy i hear his voice of cheer
2: This time, we will have our prayer time, and I just want to uh, give you guys a few things to think about as we, we pray. Uh, we are in uncertain times, and uh, I want you guys to just remember those who are in the medical profession, uh, who, who have to continue to go to work every day. We want to take some time and, and to lift them up in prayer this evening, uh, and along with just celebrating the, the fact that our Savior is alive. And so, uh, if you will, in your cars, we'll just bow our heads together, and we'll, we'll pray together in unity. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this evening. Lord, it is such a beautiful evening. We thank you so much for being uh, the God of all things, the God who gave us this wonderful evening to be uh, here outside to worship. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to take the church, the building, out of the picture, God, but to to leave us here, Lord, in the parking lot to continue uh, to worship without the building. And, uh, Lord, we just want to come to you now uh, with uh, a couple requests. Lord, we we are uh, forever grateful for our medical staff, Lord, who go into work every day. Uh, Lord, whether it be a nursing home or a hospital facility or a doctor's office, Lord, we want to lift up those right now who uh, have to go into work, Lord, and who are around this virus on a day-to-day basis. Lord, we want to ask that you would give them strength, Lord, and protect them as they go to work every day. Lord, protect their families as they come home every day, Lord, so that they wouldn't uh, infect their, their families, God. And, Lord, we just thank you for those uh, who have put in the time, Lord, to, be, to take those professions on. And, and now when they're called on the most, Lord, we just ask that you would give them strength, Lord. And... Um, Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be here uh, here in Easter. Lord, um, we just thank you so much for uh, your son who, who came and he, he died for us, God. There was no other way, Lord, but he, he chose that way. And, uh, Lord, we're, we're so thankful for him to going that far for us. And, Lord, we thank you so much for uh, the fact that he did come back from the grave, Lord. He said he would do it, and he did it, Lord. And th- that promise is a promise that we can take to the bank, God. And, Lord, we just ask that you would help us to, to live on that promise on a daily basis, God, that he is alive, he's risen, he lives within our hearts. And, Lord, that we want to carry that message to the world. And, Lord, we just thank you so much for the gift of music, Lord, as we continue to sing. We ask that you would bless us, Lord, and to help us do that. Lord, we pray for Jamie as he, he's about to bring us the word. Uh, Lord, help him with his, his pain in his leg, God. We just pray that he would come up here and stand strongly. Lord, he would bring us the message that we need to hear from 1 Corinthians 15. and. Um, Lord, just hide them behind the cross. Lord, let us hear the message today that we need to hear of hope about the risen Savior. And, uh, Lord, we just pray that you would uh, bless the offering that will take an the service. May it be multiplied, Lord, and may it uh, take the gospel, Lord, to the four corners of the earth. Lord, we thank you again for this opportunity to meet outside on this beautiful evening. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: Good evening, East Hills of Baptist Church. It's an honor to celebrate with you Easter a day early. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians 15, and I'm going to read down through, probably down through verse 20. And we're going to talk about resurrection hope this evening. The greatest chapter in the Bible on the resurrection, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. And verses 2 and 3 are really, verses 4 and 5, are really an early church creed. Notice what Paul says in verse 1. Moreover, brethren... I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which you also received, in which you stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve, After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some, now notice how he puts this, have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by the Lord's brother James, then by all the apostles, then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, but... By the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believe. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how does some among you say there's no resurrection of the dead? That's Paul's trying to prove this point. How does some of you say that there's no res- resurrection? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not rise. If, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Paul is saying this, if Jesus Christ has not risen from the dead, you cannot even be saved. Then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiful. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Father, it is faith in the resurrected Christ that saves. And Father, my prayer is this evening, this Saturday evening, Father, that if there's anyone listening on Facebook, social media, in their cars who have never placed their faith and trust in the resurrected Christ, that by the time this message is done, Father, they will. Father, I pray through the Holy Spirit that you would open blinded eyes and raise the spiritually dead. And, Father, that they would be saved for your honor and for your glory. Lord, because the tomb is empty, I can not only be forgiven and saved, but, Lord, my life can have purpose. And, Father, so we thank you for that. We thank you for the empty tomb. Father, we worship you and praise you, and we honor you this evening because the tomb is empty. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. One man put it this way, tomorrow we celebrate the day that sets Christianity apart from all other religions. There's no religion or no faith like Christianity. The risen Savior and the empty tomb are proof. Everything in the gospel of Jesus Christ, everything connected to our salvation, Every promise that we hold in time and eternity is linked inseparably to the resurrection. The resurrection has massive implications. Everybody dies, but only one had the power to raise himself from the dead. The resurrection is critical. It's the linchpin that holds everything together. It is the cornerstone without which the building collapses. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely critical. The angel said at his tomb, he is not here. He is risen. One scholar put it this way in the 6,000 years of recorded human history. The most important message that has ever been heard is this. He is not here for he is risen. Mohammed lived and died and he's dead. Confucius lived and died and he's dead. Joseph Smith and Brigham Young lived and died and they are dead. But Jesus Christ, the son of God died and he is risen. He is not here the angel said, for he is risen. Jesus said himself in Revelation 1, 18, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. The first point I want to make to you this evening is this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a historical event. Paul lists the people who saw him. Paul said, you can go ask these people. When Paul stood before King Agrippa in Acts, he was talking about the resurrection. He said, oh, king, You know, these things were not done in a corner. When Peter preached on Pentecost some 40-plus days after the resurrection of Jesus, he's preaching to the Jews, and he says this, speaking of Jesus, he brings up the, the patriarch David, and he says this, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. He's trying to prove a point. He says David was the greatest king in all of Israel, but he's dead. And he's in the tomb. He prophesied of Jesus and his resurrection. Then he goes on to talk about Jesus. He says, Jesus, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. And basically, he's making the case. Jesus' tomb is with us today, but he's not there. He is risen. Matthew 28:6. the angel says this. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. The angel at the tomb said this is a historical fact. Come look, he's not here. Newsweek said this many years ago. It wasn't the morality of the Sermon on the Mount which enabled Christianity to conquer Rome and paganism, but the belief that Jesus had been literally raised from the dead. By any measure, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most radical of all Christian doctrine. Remember, Jesus prophesied he would raise from the dead. Just in Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew 12, 16, and 27, It was a matter of public record, so much so that if you read the Gospels, the Jewish leaders went to Pilate and said, Give us a guard for the tomb because he said he would rise from the dead. No other event has impacted the world so much as the resurrection of Jesus. Listen to how one person put it. He said, Jesus never wrote a book. In fact, he never wrote anything down. Yet there are more books written about Jesus than any other subject in the world. Jesus never composed a song. But there's more music written about Jesus Christ than any other subject in history. Jesus never drew any pictures or did any sculpture, but more art has been made about Jesus Christ than any other subject in history. Jesus never traveled more than a hundred miles from where he was. Yet you can you cannot yet you can find followers of Jesus in every nook, nook and cranny on the planet. The reason Christianity spread is because Jesus Christ historically lived and died. Rose from the dead. It is a historical fact. Scholars and historians, whether they're Christians or not, would tell you the truth. I heard about a Muslim or a missionary who was in a Muslim country. I believe it was in India. And many Muslims are coming to faith in Christ. And he went to one Muslim and he said this. He said, Why do you now place your faith and trust in Jesus? And listen to what he said. Very simple answer. He said, If you didn't know where you were going, And you were going down a road, and there was a crossroads, and there were two men there to give you directions, and one was dead, and one was alive. Which one would you ask which way to go? And he says, Jesus Christ is alive. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a historical fact, and that demands demands our attention and our obedience. The second thing I want to mention is this. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, I can be saved. Notice what Paul says. He's making a point. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins. If Christ did not rise from the dead, no one can be saved. The cross means absolutely nothing without the resurrection. Dead saviors save nobody. Resurrected, Only a resurrected savior can save. The cross has no power without the resurrection. That's what Paul's saying. Aren't you thankful for the resurrection? Because of the resurrection, the cross has utmost importance. Because of the resurrection, you can be forgiven, you can be saved. He lives and you can be forgiven, which means God does not count your sins against you, and they're forgotten forever, never to bring them back up. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Because of the resurrection, everything done on the cross counts. I heard the testimony of Josh McDowell, who wrote the book, More Than a Carpenter, sold millions of copies, I'd encourage you to get it. Evidence that Demands a Verdict, Great Apologies for the Faith. When Josh McDowell was growing up, his dad was a very abusive, alcoholic father, very mean, very mean. He said oftentimes his dad, they lived on a farm. He said, I would go home and my drunk daddy, he said, I'd get home from school and my mama would not be in the house. And he said, I would go to the barn and there'd be my mama beaten by my daddy laying in manure. He said, I dis- I'll, I'll read his own words for you. He said, if there's anybody that I hated, it was my father. I despise that man. He said, my daddy was so bad, he'd get so drunk, when my friends and family would come over, we would lead him out to the barn and tie him up and drive his car around the barn and tell everybody he was gone. Josh went off to a university. His freshman year, he heard the gospel. He did not surrender. As a sophomore, he heard it again and received Christ. And this is what he said. He said, God began doing something in my life. The Spirit of God had come in and was now producing fruit. It was about a year and a half later, but finally, I could look my alcoholic, abusive father, who had not changed, doubt he didn't change, and tell him that I loved him and meant it. Think about that. Josh went back to school. He was in a wreck. He had to go back to the family farm to recuperate. And while I was home one day, he says his father came into his room sober and said this, Josh, I don't understand how you can tell somebody like me that you love me. Don't understand it. And Josh said this, he said, for the first time in my life, I got to share with my father. What happened to me? He said this, dad, a year ago, I hated you. I despised you. He said, I hated you more than any man who walked this planet. But something has happened in my life. It came in the person of Jesus Christ. Because of him, I can love you. And he said that moment as a sophomore in college who was at home recuperating from a wreck, He said, within 45 minutes, he shared the gospel with his dad. Within 45 minutes, his dad became a born-again Christian. This is the message the world needs to hear. Because the tomb is empty, I can be forgiven. God saves drunk daddies. God saves immoral mamas. God saves teenagers who are rebellious. God saves. Aren't you thankful for an empty tomb? Not just the cross. Thankful for the cross, but because the tomb is empty... I can be forgiven. I can be saved. Think about this. Because of the resurrection, I don't have to fear death. Verse 18, Paul says this. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, nobody's going to. When you die, it's the end. Hebrews says that man lives all his life with the fear of death. But Jesus Christ can take that away. When I was in the sixth grade, I went out to a country church with some of my friends and we were shooting basketball. And back in those days, churches didn't lock their doors. And we went inside that church and got a drink of water. And I remember me and one of my friends, I was, I was going to Sugarloaf Elementary School at the time, and we were sitting on the front pew, and he said, Still, do you believe all this stuff? Now I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't a Christian at all by any means. But I said, Yeah, I think I do. I said, I don't go to church, but I think I believe in it. And he says, I remember him telling me this. I don't. I believe that when we die, we just rot in the grave. You know what I said? That stinks. Who wants to live their whole life and then die and that's it? Paul was telling the church in Corinth if Jesus has not been risen from the dead, you die and that's it. But notice what he says. He says this, Then Those who have fallen asleep in Christ. Death for the believer is called sleep. How many of you like to sleep? I love sleep. I love it so much, I'll mash my snooze button 25 times if I can get by with it. Death has been changed to sleep by the work of Christ. The Greek word is never used in the Old Testament or the New Testament for an unbeliever. It never says, Pilate fell asleep or Herod fell asleep. But every time it mentions a Christian dying, almost every time it mentions he has fallen asleep. Listen to what Jesus said. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus, has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. He's been dead for four days. Listen, Acts 13. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, he was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty. in this very chapter, Paul says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The early Christians used this wonderful word for burying places of their dead. They used that word and they changed it a little bit, and it's the word we get: cemetery. It means a sleeping place. It was used for hotels and inns because you expect to get up, you would sleep there, and you expect to get up and continue on your journey. This is the way God describes the process of dying and death for the Christian. When Stephen was stoned, that horrific death, the way that he died. Acts 7:59 says this, and they stoned Stephen, and look at what it says next. He says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then in verse 60, it said, and when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died a horrific death, and God says he just went to sleep. What a blessing. That's why the writer of Psalms can say this, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. That's why Paul, in the next letter to Corinth, can say to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's why John can say in Revelation, blessed are the dead who died in the Lord. That's why Paul can say in this same chapter, death is swallowed up in victory. Let me get serious with you. Every day in America, 7,452 people die every day in the United States of America. One day that's going to be your name. We'll see your obituary in the tales of times. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Every year at the start of the new year at East Hills Baptist Church, I'll say this. Some of us will not be here next year. I've preached 95 funerals the last five years. 95. And I tell our church, and I tell you this, church, either you'll come to my funeral or I'll preach yours. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Aren't you thankful for the resurrection? One pastor said this that that I love to hear preach. He says, you can cry at my funeral if you want to, but don't think for a minute that my death is tragic. No matter how it happens, no matter when, it simply can't be a tragedy. Leaving this world with all of its sin sickness to enter into the beauty and perfection and peace of the presence of Christ is something to anticipate, not to avoid. Death, for for me, will not be the second best option to a longer life here. To be with Christ will not be a minor improvement on this life, but far better, as Paul says in Philippians 1.23. You can cry, but I hope your tears are at least in part tears of joy that I've entered into the joy of my masters. The disciples after the resurrection, You remember, they wasn't even at the cross. They wouldn't even show up at the cross. But after the resurrection, all, literally all, gave their lives for Jesus. The fear of death was gone. Matthew was slain with a sword in Ethiopia. Mark would die after being dragged through the streets of Alexandria. Luke, the doctor who wrote Luke and Acts, was hanged from an olive tree in Greece. James, was, the Lord's brother, was thrown from the temple wall and then beaten to death with clubs. Bartholomew endured the endured the, toot- the torture of being skinned or flayed alive before dying. Andrew was bound on an X-shaped cross. Thomas, the doubter who needed the evidence, had spears run through his body. Jude was shot to death with arrows. Matthias, who took Judas's place, was stoned and then beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down in Rome after asking the executioners to allow him to die differently than Christ had died because he was not worthy. And I'll tell you this, friends, men will die for what they believe to be true, though it may actually be false. They will not die, however, for what they know is a lie. These men believe Jesus rose from the dead and death did not fear them. They were not afraid of death. The final thing is this, because of the resurrection, my life not only can have purpose, but this preacher's life has purpose. Paul says this Now, if some, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, verse 12, how do some among you say there's no res- resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching his purpose in life is empty, it means nothing. But Paul is saying this, Jesus has resurrected from the dead, therefore my life has purpose. Think about Paul. Someone did a study on the life of Paul after his salvation. They said that he traveled at a rate of 17 to 20 miles per day. No cars, by the way. Think about this. He traveled over 5,580 miles on foot and 6,770 miles on the sea to take the gospel to untold millions of people. He goes on to say this, this person who did the study on Paul. He said, in the space of some 20 years or less, he evangelized and planted churches along a line of some 1,500 miles. And in doing that, he endured great hardships. He lived day and night in the danger and peril. He was stoned and left for dead. He was often in prison. He was beaten and flogged. He was shipwrecked three times. He was robbed. Yet he was never willing to quit. Why? Because the tomb is empty. We have the only hope that the world uh, has. Think about Peter. Such a bad disciple. He was really messed up. He tried to cut a guy's head off. He blasphemed. He says, I swear. He took an oath. I do not know who Jesus is. Denied him at least three times. After Jesus died, he went back to fishing. And then Jesus appeared to him after the resurrection. He said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Did that three times. Peter preached on Pentecost, and three thousand people that day were saved. It's amazing what Peter did. Jesus, Peter says this in Acts 2:32. This Jesus, God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. After he and John healed a beggar from Solomon's portico, he preached this in Acts 3: You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. In Acts 4, the chief, the priest, and the captain of the temple guard. And the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. The Bible says they were greatly disturbed because the apostles, Peter and John, were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Before another council, Peter says this, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Then Peter's message to the Gentile was this, Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly we give the world hope i've asked people this before what is it like to live your life without hope think about that what is it like i've been in prisons before and i've told people that reject christ tell me what is it like to live without hope because without christ you have no hope you have no hope at its very best it's a very brief life full of trouble and if your hope is tied to what happens here that is a severe misery Job says this, the hope of the godless will perish with them. When Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus describing our life before Christ, he not only said we were spiritually dead and children of the devil, but we had no hope. No hope. One scholar put it this way, hope is something as important to us as water is to a fish, as vital as electricity is to a light bulb, as essential as air is to a jumbo jet. Hope is basic to life. Without that needed spark of hope, we're doomed to a dark, grim existence. How often the word hopelessness appears in suicide notes. And even if it isn't actually written, we can read it between the lines. Take away our hope and our world is reduced to something between depression and despair. Hope is more than wishful thinking. The whole Bible has, as it's saying, this power to create hope in the hearts of God's people. I remember preaching... At a prison, I won't tell you which one, we had two services. And I remember talking about Jesus. And I said, your only hope is Jesus. And some men responded, some didn't. And I remember the warden stopped me after that second chapel service. And he says, Jamie, I want to tell you something. The most dangerous man in this prison, the most dangerous man in this prison is the man who's living his life, and he thinks he has no hope. He says, I hope you understand today that you gave these men hope. Because you preach the gospel. What is it like to live without hope? Peter says for Christians, you've been born again to a living hope. Aren't you thankful that you of all people on the planet have hope? This is my prayer for you this Easter. Paul says to the church at Rome, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can share hope and have hope because the tomb is empty. The last verse of this chapter applies to us all. Paul says this, Therefore, because of all this, because of the resurrection, because it's true, my beloved brethren, notice these two words, be steadfast. That word be means become something. Be something. If the tomb's empty, you should be something for Jesus. Do something for Jesus. What have you done for Jesus lately? He says, if the tomb is empty, who are you to be a pew-set note-taker? Do something for Jesus. Jesus Christ can do more with your life than you can. I've shared this with our church before, but for those on Facebook, I just want to share this. October 30th, or no, October 6th, 1990. I was 20 years old, lost. I was lost. There is no way you could say I was a Christian. I was not. I would admit I was not a Christian. I left a Cougar football game. Drove down Harmony Street to that house right there. Now those people weren't living there at the time. All right? But I drove right there. I'd been drinking like I always did on Saturdays. A Christian friend of mine was driving. He handed me my keys and said, "Steal, do not drive. Go in that house and go to sleep." I said, "You got it." My keychain was a Budweiser can, by the way. All right? When he got in his car, he took a right, because he lived in Wittenberg, and the family that was in that house, I saw a light turn on, and I said, I'm going home. I got in my car, drove up Harmony Street, got to Bevers, and was pulled over by a police officer. That police officer took me to the courthouse. A state trooper, trooper gave me a breathalyzer. I was way over the limit, way over the limit. It would be my second DWI in one year. Bad consequences. I went home, and I will not describe to you what happened at my house that night, but I will forever, forever bear the scars of that night. Forever. Only heaven will take those away. After that night, I sought out a counselor. I went to a counseling place that was one mile from the front of this church. A man from this church shared the gospel. with. I met with him two times a week, 24 days after I started meeting with him, 24 days after October the 6th, on October 30th, 1990, at about 7.25 p.m., I surrendered my life to the resurrected Christ, Jesus Christ, because I was guilty of the offenses I had committed for four years. I was without license for four years. I was on probation for four years, within two years after I got saved, I was the Alexander Baptist Association youth pastor with no license and on probation. That has never happened before. That'll never happen again. Okay. I hope within a few years after that, I I was a associate pastor and a youth pastor at a local church. In 2002, I became the associate pastor of East Tellingsville Baptist Church. 2005, I became the pastor of East Tellingsville Baptist Church. The officer who pulled me over that night, I became his pastor, helped lead his children to the Lord, and helped them baptize both of them. The state trooper who gave me a breathalyzer that night, his son, at an event I held, reaffirmed his commitment to surrender to the ministry. And one month ago, one month ago, A church voted on him to be their pastor. Friends, I'm telling you, Jesus Christ can give your life purpose. I don't care what your past is like. Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone can give your life purpose. Paul says this in that last verse. Our labor is not in vain. Every dime you give to the cause of Christ. Every prayer you pray for the cause of Christ. Every song you sing for the cause of Christ. Every time you share your faith for the cause of Christ, every diaper you change for the cause of Christ, every bulletin you hand out for the cause of Christ is not in vain. Everything else, everything else you do in your life is wood, hay, and stubble. It means absolutely, positively nothing. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Do not cling to this world. Do something for Jesus, for his honor, and for his glory. And you can do that because the tomb is empty. Because the tomb is empty, regardless of your age, your life can have purpose. Give your life to Christ and see what he can do with it. Friends, let me ask you a question. Do you know the Lord? I would tell you like Jesus told Doubting Thomas, stop doubting and believe. Eventually, you'll have to make up your mind one way or the other. Is Jesus the Christ or not? Is the resurrection true or not? I'm convinced with all my heart that Jesus is alive today. And I've trusted Him with my life. I'll trust Him with my death. But I can't decide for anyone else. That choice is yours. Will you pray with me? Fathers, we come to you in prayer. Father, I pray for every person listening to this sermon today. Father, I pray that if they're lost today, that, Lord, through the Holy Spirit, draw them to yourselves. Lord, they'll say yes to Jesus. Father, I pray that they would sense and experience your forgiveness, the hope that only we have eternal life, and, Father, that you would give their life purpose. Father, for everyone listening to this sermon this evening, Lord, you have a purpose for their life. Father, you have a purpose for their life because the tomb is empty. Our labor, regardless of what it is, is not in vain. You haven't called us all to preach, teach, or sing. Thank the Lord. But, Father, you've called us all to serve you. And, Father, our lives can have purpose because of Jesus and because the tomb is empty. Father, we give you this evening the honor and glory and praise for the things that you alone can do. And, Father, we love you today and we thank you today for the resurrection and the empty tomb. In Jesus' name I pray, and all over Alexander County, God's people said together, Amen.